Welcome to today's edition of the Blazing Grace Show with Jason Graves and Mike Janung. Blazing Grace covers blazing issues with grace-filled answers. Here are your hosts, Jason and Mike. Welcome back to the Blazing Grace Show. This is Jason Graves along with my good man, Mike Janung. Hello, Mike. I have to ask. <laughs> Have you looked at the Sonics record lately? Oh, oh, it had to happen sometimes, folks. Versus the the Lakers. Let the taunting begin. Okay, listen, um, let me ask you this. Um, Who was in last year's Super Bowl, and uh, who made the playoffs this year, and whose team didn't? Lakers made the playoffs. That's no, all no, I care I'm about. I'm talking about football now. That's oh, right. Yeah, they all the teams moved out of LA. That's right. Yeah. So it didn't matter I was trying anymore. to get to that eventually. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, we've got an exciting show today. We've got with us David Zeiler, author of When Lost Men Come Home, A Journey of Sexual uh, to Sexual Integrity. Welcome to the show, Dave. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Mike. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. We're excited to have you, and we want to kind of learn about your story and your ministry, um, Operation Integrity. Um, Dave, why don't you start us off a little bit and tell us uh, a little bit about your story and then your book, When Lost Men Come Home. Well, um, I think my own story is uh, is the story of a good boy gone bad, mm. um, raised going to church, uh, and uh, father was a church musician, so we were um, at church three, four times a week. Um, I think probably from the time I was in the cradle to high school, I don't think I missed a week even for for the flu. Right. And um, church was, um, that was our entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it absorbed everything that we did, but church was not always a pleasant place for me. Okay. It was a place where I was I was also sexually molested oh. from the times of about eight to twelve. And our and then when we were twelve we actually we had actually moved to another part of the country for a while so my dad could do some school work. And uh, I remember having moved away and knowing that I was taken out of that situation um, inadvertently, I think I made one of the most disastrous decisions I had, I had ever made, and that was, I remember sitting my, myself one day being so thankful that I was no longer being hurt the way I was, mm-hmm. but I determined that no one was ever going to ever hurt me like that again. Uh-huh. Did you somehow tie in going to church to getting hurt? <sighs> you know, I, I don't think I ever specifically consciously blamed church but church was a place for me where they spoke about the love of God and the power to live life successfully. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't my experience. Right. So that, that split communication for me was just diabolical. Okay. And also, even in my own family, um, we, uh, we played the part. Mm-hmm. But inside, things things were not well. Uh, so there were some sort of church wounds, some family of origin wounds that a lot of us have in common there. What led you to the point where you fe- felt like, you know, you needed to get help? What was going on in your life, and what levels did you sink to? Well, I had, uh, you know, often I continued to go to church most of my life. In mm-hmm. my early 20s, I, uh, I started to drink. Okay. Um, and I was a first beer alcoholic. Uh, first beer I ever had, I was off and running. Right. Soon, uh, drinking led to uh, visiting uh, strip joints. Okay. Uh, which I loved very much. 
Uh, from there, I discovered drugs. And over about the next six, seven years, uh, that's what my life became about. And uh, I became a full-blown alcoholic, full-blown drug addict. And uh, while I was trying to work in a respectable field in construction, I actually was spending more of my time making porn movies. Okay. So that was a part of your history uh, working in the erotic film industry and and so that's a pretty painful experience. You know, we've had Shelley Lubin on the show several times. She's a, a real favorite of right. ours and, and just a dear sister in the Lord. Right. And, you know, I, I'm sure you can talk about how that that world is just so airbrushed and glamorized, but yet there's just a lot of pain there. Well, it really is. It's, it, uh, it trivializes and it commercializes human beings. Right. I, mean, I think that's the great tragedy of pornography. It, yeah. It's not the sex. It's the commercialization. Yeah, is that is that this this uh, huge, most elemental and profound part of our lives is only worth how good you look, um, how great you come across on camera, um, and to do the things that uh, you know. I, for me, drugs, alcohol, and sex all became so enmeshed, and you know. I had a fairly short-lived uh, career in the manufactured pornography because I just really didn't like doing it that much. Mm-hmm. Shelley told us that um, most of the actors and actresses in their experience were either stoned or drunk, and they hated every moment of it. And she told us, gave us pictures of women throwing up behind scenes. And is that was that what you saw? Yeah, I, I don't. I never. I never threw up behind the scenes. I don't remember, but I, I'm sure that that would happen. Um, what you don't see in the finished product is the fact that the people having sex may just absolutely hate each other. Oh yeah, or the um, the just the attitudes. It is not a party. Right. It's right. not a party. It's it's a business. It's business. And the people who are making it, who are, who are making it, um, they are about as concerned for their performers as they are for the guy who is parking their car. Jeez, that's just tragic. I mean, you're just being objectified. You're not even being treated as a person. Uh, that that just that's a horrible existence. And yet, you know, what what do we buy into? We buy into the fantasy and the lie and the and the product and the package. Well, you know? sure, I did. Yeah, it's I tragic. Um, you know, I I gotta tell you, um, I I removed myself from the porn world in 1988, and. Uh, but after that, I was still a consumer of pornography until 1999. Doesn't that just blow you away now? Um, yes and no. Um, it, it, it's, you know, under just having lived in such denial and right. still, you know what, I still know denial. Right. My goodness, uh, uh, put me around some good food and watch my denials kick in. Right. Um, but uh, uh, it is... Uh, you know, it, it's it's uh, this is the whole addiction dilemma. Right. Uh, people are find themselves compelled to do the very things that they know that they that they shouldn't be doing. Well, doesn't Paul talk about that? You know, that thorn in his flesh, doing the things he doesn't want to do, and and not doing the ones he wants to. And you know, you talk about denial in your book, "When Lost Men Come Home." And by the way, folks, you can get in touch with David Zeiler at operationintegrity.org on the web, or call him at eight hundred seven six two zero four three zero. 
If you'd like a copy of his book, When Lost Men Come Home, uh, get a hold of him. And, and David, in your book, talk a little bit more about what you say on the issue of denial, because as they love to say in uh, uh, Saturday Night Live, you know, it ain't just a river in the Jordan, right? But, uh, you know, we all are in touch with that. It's all been a part of our process. It's the first step out of, uh, you know, of, of addiction. And it's the first part of the grieving process that basically we have to go through when we're saying goodbye and we're losing this old friend. It's not a very good friend, but it is a friend. So say more about denial. Well, I had, um, for me, denial goes hand in hand with my own efforts. Okay. Um, I, I, I spent the vast majority of my life doing what I was taught to do, which was grab your bootstraps and pull a little harder. And pretty soon all the bootstraps are broken and I'm still, you know, can't get my boots on. Mm. And um, I think for me the uh, denial is uh, not only denial that I have an issue, but denial that I can never in and of myself solve my problem. Right. That I'm going to have to have some help. Yeah. Um, there, as, a, as an alcoholic and a drug addict, I've, I have uh, really enjoyed my time in Alcoholics Anonymous, it's been a great part of my recovery, uh-huh. which, I, which I still enjoy. And uh, there's a saying there that, you know, and you mentioned it, denial is not just um, a river in Egypt. And uh, um, for me, admitting that my life was unmanageable. In fact, I remember sitting in, in rehab. I'd been there maybe a week, and I looked up on the wall, and they had all these banners on the wall. And step number one from the 12th step is, we admitted that we were powerless over alcohol and that our life was unmanageable. Right. And I kept looking at that, and at that point in my life, I really wasn't drinking a whole lot. Mm-hmm. But I kept working at, looking at that word, unmanageable. And I thought to myself, okay, here I'm in a rehab. I'm broke. I've ruined my life. I'm, I'm about ready to go to prison. And I would say that my life is pretty unmanageable. Right. Was that around the time with... But there was a turning point and we started looking for a way out of the whole mess? Well, yeah. Um, for years, I was not happy or proud with what I was doing, but um, I, had ne- I never had any reason to stop um, in that, yeah, I would go on these monstrous drug binges and spend, you know, $1,000 a day on drugs. Right. And um, I knew that was bad. I knew I had responsibilities and so forth and so on, but... Uh, um, I had given up on the fact that I would ever have a good life. Mm. Wow. And it wasn't until I realized that the the real equation was not whether or not I was going to have the life that I wanted to have, but whether or not I was going to live or die. Right. And suddenly, this whole thing about God that I had heard so much about became a real important issue. Mm-hmm. Because God is a life or death issue. Mm-hmm. And I had no intention of re-embracing a Christian faith. I, I wouldn't say that I was a Christian at that point. Um, in fact, I had no intention of becoming a Christian. I remember saying a prayer that went essentially like this. God, I don't know who you are. Mm. But if you don't help me, I'm going to die. Because right. I am, I've suffered overdoses. I'm broke. My family won't speak to me. My business associates barely tolerate me. Right. I'm about ready to lose my house. I'm going to go to prison, and all I want at this moment in time is more dope. Wow. That's all I wanted. 
That's a pretty low, low. And I can just so relate to you. You know, God is definitely a, a life or death issue. You know, I mean, and so many of us have to get to our lowest lower, to the bottom, to where there's nowhere to look but up before we can really see him or are willing to reach out to him. And it sounds like you've done that. You know, you've pressed on through the pain. You've uh, gotten to the point where you were desperate. And thank God you looked in the right direction. And it sounds like now, you know, he's doing some pretty exciting things. Um, you wrote the book, obviously. Uh, you've got your uh, Operation Integrity going. Tell us a little bit about the purpose uh, and the mission of Operation Integrity. Well, we are a community of men um, and women, too. Mm-hmm. We've come to terms with this powerlessness, primarily over the things that were sexual problems for us. Right. Uh, originally, we were a group uh, that was an informal group of men working on our sexual addiction uh-huh. at a local church here in Southern California. Uh, from there, we one day we were sitting around, I think, having pizza, and we just realized, you know, we what we have what we have going on is really good. How do we how do we take it out there and begin to open ourselves up to others and offer it to other people? Right. And Operation Integrity is born out of that. We're a 501c3 tax um, exempt organization, and uh, since then we have helped. Uh, Few hundred people here in Southern California. We have uh, we we exist for the purpose of helping to establish and promote uh, Christ-centered twelve-step recovery organizations for sexual integrity. Mm-hmm. Now we're also finding that other people whose they don't think their initial problem has to do with sex. They're coming in with drugs, alcohol, anger issues, codependency issues. Right. What we ask them to do is they're free to bring those issues to the table. Right. But look at the sex issue because oh, yeah. second only to uh, we think that the whole sexual identification and the whole uh, the way we the way we are sexually is the second most profound thing of who we are as human beings, second mm-hmm. only to made in the image of God. Right. I remember so much in my first essay meeting, just to kind of alliterate that point a little bit. Uh, we were sitting in there, this old church, and, you know, beat up couches and stale coffee. And, you know, somebody knocks on the door and they say, hey, you know, is this the AA meeting? And then they said, oh, no, that's just down the hall a little bit. And after the guy closed the door, the guy said, but we'll see you back in six months. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, that, and that's true. Yes. And um, uh, it, it is so true is that uh, um, one of the, one of the, some of the great advice that I – that I was given early on in uh, in rehab, which I really didn't intend to follow. I kind of accidentally followed this. Mm-hmm. That was stay away from relationships. Hmm. Um, actually, it was said to me, no women for a year. Okay. And now I kind of had a problem with that. Wait a minute. You're taking away my alcohol. You're taking away my drugs. Don't even talk to me about porn and women. Right. Well, I kind of stayed away from women for better part of the first year. Mm-hmm. You know, I had some, a few slip-ups, but, uh, you know, I was, I was, you might say I was moving in the right direction. Right. And uh, sooner or later I had to look at that because uh, I personally think that the number one reason why people relapse in addictions has to do with the opposite sex. 
Well, that that can be true for sure. And so you were talking about romantic relationships, but as the saying goes, we were wounded in relationships. We're also healed in relationships. Exactly. So exactly. talk a little bit about those healing relationships that God brought into your life that you got connected to in recovery and some of the men and even women who were very powerful in, in your life that way. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's really interesting. And I won't mention this young lady's name, um, because uh, she's a former girlfriend that I used to uh, uh, perform in porn movies with, and uh, she's become a Christian quite a few number, quite a number of years ago. Uh, she had heard about what happened to me, uh, called me at home, and she just was a huge encouragement to me. And she sent me a few letters, and she sent me a couple of books. Uh, I've had some people here locally uh, at my local church uh, who friends and, uh, and wives of, of friends who, you know what, to them it's no big deal. Yeah. No big deal. It, it My history is not a handicap. So you got a lot more acceptance than what you're banking for. Yeah. Yeah. Every, every, you know, every now and then, you know, some, you know, rude person will, you know, want to give me a bloody nose. But you know what, right. I just kind of move on. Right. David, you were, you were raised in the church, so you had all that head knowledge of what God was about, but right. in my experience, most people who struggle with sex addiction still have an empty, miserable heart, and they really haven't mm. connected with the Lord at a heart level. Right, right. So what did that, how did that come about for you when you finally made that connection with the Lord on a heart level? You know, I was just, uh, I'm just doing some additional work on a, on a follow-up to When Lost Men Come Home. Mm-hmm. And in Chapter 3 of When Lost Men Come Home, I write about this, not only from my experience, but seeing it in the lives of others, that, you know, in order to have faith in a God that will save us, we have to believe that He exists. Right. But believing that He exists doesn't do us a whole lot of good in and of itself. Right. There's a difference between belief and faith. Mm -hmm. Faith has more to do with trust. Mm -hmm. And um, I believe that we will never know God in intimacy until we know him as our savior. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a young man who's very involved in Operation Integrity, uh, an amazing guy. He's a political consultant. He's brilliant. And it wasn't until he did his fourth step inventory that he hit an emotional and psychological wall. He just was kind of coming with a program. He and his wife were trying to patch things, and they had been swingers. Church-going swingers, mm. you know, try to reconcile that in your mind, but yet they right. could. And um, one day he went into his office, started working on his four-step inventory just like it was no big deal, mm-hmm. found himself locked in his office crying for three days. Right. Step four will do that, won't it? Yep. Right. And um, sooner or later, a man or a woman has got to look in the mirror and find all the ugliness that's inside them. Sure. And that's that's the person that God touches with intimacy. Yeah, and that's a healthy thing to do. It's not a thing to really beat yourself up about, but it's a very good thing to take an inventory of the good things about ourselves right. and the not-so-good things about ourselves, because how can we hope to heal if we're not willing to really look at the wound? Right. Well, David, you were molested, and, and in my experience, people who have been molested have a terror of intimacy. And a real hard time receiving love. So how did all that unwind for you? And what did that look like in, in coming to the place of really receiving and accepting God's love? Because we can have faith that he's there, but having faith that he loves us after we've been 
trained to believe that people are going to abuse us mm-hmm. is something different. Yeah. Well, that that unwound for me very slowly, and it still continues to unwind. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is where the 12-step and recovery community has been so so helpful for me because I would see these people who their stories were like mine or worse, yet these were people who I had great admiration for. Right. They, they had they they stood tall, but they stood humbly. Right. And um, they had a uh, they had a resource of strength that they were so freely giving out. It's like they they just knew that they had a bottomless well. Right. You know, you give them a little food to eat and eight hours of sleep, and they were good to go. Right. And there and I began to see that, and uh, uh, and it was really. And I, and I sensed that when they were looking at me, they were really interested. Mm-hmm. And over time, I've become, I've, I've become to believe that. Right. And what that's in, enabled me to do is when I'm with someone else, I'm, I'm looking at the person. I'm not thinking about later on in the afternoon or right. running home, this and that. I, I, I'm much more aware of who You're living much more in the present, it sounds like. Yeah, well, listen, we're meeting with David Zaylor uh, from Operation Integrity. You can find him on the web at operationintegrity.org. Or for more information about him or his book, When Lost Men Come Home, A Journey to Sexual Integrity, you can call him at 800-762-0430. David, we just have a couple minutes left here, but um, you know, I'm really interested. Uh, you know, you talk about the 12 steps, and it sounds like you've got you've done a lot of work and um, really put your hand to the plow here to get better. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like you know you're one of those guys that it's not just recovery is not just about me. You're not out there just to um, stop the sin in your life. You're really in touch with what you're recovering to, not just what you're recovering from. So can you kind of talk a little bit about your redemptive vision? And really, God's had a lot of redemption in your life already, obviously. But, you know, where will David Zeiler be in another five to ten years? Well, I can anticipate. I I, um, I, I think I'm learning to be fairly open-minded because God is always one step ahead of me. Mm-hmm. But I anticipate uh, um, that we will continue to work with Operation Integrity, developing uh, Christ-centered 12-step recovery groups. Great. Um, we'll continue to offer When Lost Men Come Home. By the way, people can get the book directly by going to whenlostmencomehome.com. Okay. And uh, for me personally, I'm going to continue to live in my home. I'm going to continue to get up and have my devotions in the morning. I'm going to eat right. I'm going to uh, try to be a good boyfriend to my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And I am going to uh, remember that I'm a recovering sex addict, and recovering alcoholic, and drug addict. Praise in, God. In your book, you write, self-centeredness is the root of all our character defects and sin. Oh, yeah. Speak to any man right now or any woman who's struggling with sexual addiction to that issue. In about 30 seconds. You'll never find love until you keep your pants on. Right. Powerful. Sex is not intimacy, is it? It's really just something that... Uh, can sometimes placate that whole process. You'll never find love until you keep your pants on. I, lo- well, I love that. You no, know I, I don't know what to say. It, right. And uh, never in my wildest dreams would I have ever thought that I live the way I live. Right. And you know what? 
I'm grateful for it. Well, we're grateful for you, David, and I thank Thanks. you for your ministry. Thank you for taking the time to be with us today, brother. Thank you, Jason. Thank All right. You, Mike. God, God bless. God bless. Well, as we wind down here, uh, thanks for tuning in to the Blazing Grace Show. Listen, I've got an announcement here. You know, Healing for the Soul, my ministry, is putting on our very first ministry retreat, and we would love to have our Blazing Grace listeners with us there. It's going to be here in uh, lovely Colorado, uh, Christ Haven Lodge. My wife and I are planning a retreat called Reunion, Celebrating Relationships. So it's all going to be all about relationships, our relationship with God, ourselves, our spouses. Uh, the retreat is for individuals and couples. So for more information, you can call our ministry at 719-590-7685 or see us on the web at healingforthesoul.org. And we're excited, Mike, to be on a couple of different outlets. You can find us, all of the archives of our shows at blazinggrace.org forward slash radio.htm or if you're an iPod uh, t- uh, listener you can tune us in at uh, iTunes or if you love streaming audio you can go to oneplace.com so tune us in next week and uh, we're glad to be serving you here on the Blazing Grace show God bless so long. thank you for tuning in to this edition of the Blazing Grace show we trust today's broadcast helps bring you closer to God and to what God desires for your life Blazing Grace is a listener supported mission intended to help listeners around the world your support is vital in keeping that mission alive we ask you to prayerfully consider sending a tax deductible gift to Blazing Grace it would be gratefully appreciated you can send your monetary gift to Blazing Grace P.O. Box 16 16- 521 Colorado Springs, Colorado 80962-2521. That's Blazing Grace, PO Box 62521, Colorado Springs, Colorado 80962-2521. Want to learn more about Blazing Grace? Find us on the internet at www blazinggrace.org that's triple w b l a z i n g g r a c e dot o r g forward slash radio dot h t m on that page you'll find a downloadable copy of this show or you can visit oneplace.com under ministries look for blazing grace radio if you want help resolving a sexual addiction you can reach jason graves toll free by dialing 877-590-SOUL that's 877 7685 Desire for a specific subject to be covered on Blazing Grace? Tell Mike Janung what you want covered. You can email Mike at Mike, the symbol at blazinggrace.org. We look forward to sharing more blazing issues and grace-filled answers next time. Thanks once again for listening and may God shine his grace upon you. A life completely sold out to Christ. Completely abandoned to him. So we're going to bring this thing back up again. And let's start that life together, all of us. A life completely passionate and abandoned to Jesus. Are you with me? It's time to be free to live for God. Free to run. (laughs) 